you folk are quite um, a difficult group to preach to. Did, did you know that? You, you, you have a tendency to respond loudly when I'm not expecting it. Ray! <laughs> and uh, I didn't pay him for that. And you have a tendency to sit there looking very quiet when I would expect you'd get excited. And I, I, I really don't know how to, how to remedy this. I've thought about maybe some sort of flag system. Um, but that, that probably isn't going to do it. And, uh, you know, I thought Nigel's idea about setting up your seat with an electric shock device was, was a good one. Um, so here's what we'll do. We'll give you permission. Okay? Um, we had a, a lady here a couple of weeks ago um, who said that she really enjoyed visiting here. She loved being part of the congregation. But she thought that we were a bit quiet. We could do with a few more, I think the phrase was a few more hallelujahs, yes. wasn't it? We could do with a few more hallelujahs. So you have permission to shout hallelujah, hallelujah. at any point during the sermon. Okay? And I will still love you. All right? Except possibly... No. no. We'll leave it there. If you've got a Bible, or or the electronic equivalent, um, you might like to turn with me to uh, John, and starting at John 1, starting at the first verse. We've been covering uh, this passage um, for, uh, I think it's seven or eight weeks now. And every time I come to it, speaking personally, the glory of it, the, the majesty of it, the incredible sweep of it just it, it just sort of grabs me so even though uh, this morning I'm going to be speaking principally on the last few verses let's read let's read the whole passage again okay <clears throat> so from verse one uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the through he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And uh, every time I, I read that uh, that passage, the, the sort of the sense of the uh, seismic change, the, the eternal tectonic plates shifting, the most amazing thing happening just just grips me. And uh, I have to say, before we started the series, it didn't used to particularly. And it's interesting, isn't it, that as we read a piece of scripture, as it becomes more familiar to us, as people open it out to us, how it just gets us. So this morning, it's the last in the series on this this glorious piece of scripture, the the prologue of John, the first 18 verses. So um, by way of a surprise, we'll be concentrating on the last few verses. Now, John focuses on three things in these later verses. Jesus' glory, Jesus' grace, and Jesus' truth. But it is fair to say that the emphasis is on grace. Glory, grace, truth. Grace. (laughs) <laughs> Glory. Glory. Grace. Grace. Truth. But he, but he concentrates on grace. The word truth, true or truly, it turns up 55 times in the Gospel of John. But this is actually the only place within it that the word grace turns up. John was making a point. Uh, And this is particularly so in verse 16, which says in the NIV, which is on the slide, out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Or in the ESV, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Now, as lots of you know, uh, my job uh, has included working with young unemployed people um, with the sometimes uh, taxing task of, of trying to get them into work. Uh, now, if you're going to help someone into a job, you want to show their, their skills, their experience, their qualifications off to the very best advantage to a, a prospective employer. That stands to reason. So assuming they have one, one of the first things that we would do with a young client is we would ask to see their CV, their curriculum vitae. Now, 
I can't share with you, for obvious reasons, the content from client CVs that I've personally dealt with. Um, so instead, let me share with you some content obtained elsewhere from real CVs, uh, which bear close comparison to the sort of things I see. Uh, indeed, it's so close it's spooky. How about this one? <laughs> I enjoy cooking Italians. I speak fluent English and spinach. <laughs> I took a career break in 2010 to renovate my horse. I received a plague for salesperson of the year. Now, here is one that I just adore. Um, I couldn't possibly say whether I've seen it myself, but someone who put down their emergency contact number is... <laughs> 999. And, uh, and someone who put down their marital status. This is my, my personal favourite, as uh, often. <laughs> Now, look, <laughs> to be honest, even when we created the most terrific CV, uh, not all of our clients got the job. Uh, and why? Well, uh, there's lots of reasons, but principal among them, the most usual, is that they, they simply weren't qualified. Uh, now, joking aside, the necessary condition, the qualification, if you like, for the extension of God's grace to us was the fullness of God. And verse 16 confirms Jesus was so qualified. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Uh, try, try if you can to picture this. Uh, here is a, a merciful and loving God willing to forgive mankind and longing to restore intimacy with the people he created. Uh, a merciful and loving God, willing to wipe away all in us that is not God-glorifying. Uh, a merciful and loving God, willing to lift us up from our ruined condition and bring us into his fullness so we might see his glory. A merciful and loving God, completely righteous and just and holy in all of his ways. Now, he can't be, as Spurgeon put it, half a God. He can't be less than he is. He has to be all that he is. God can only relate to us out of his fullness. He is loving and merciful. And he is holy and just. Because the Bible teaches us that's who he is. Uh, some might remember, and forgive me, I think I've used this illustration before, but 
uh, in the news in the 70s and 80s was a rare genetic disease called severe combined immunodeficiency. Uh, sufferers had immune systems that didn't work, um, often didn't work at all, sometimes worked a bit. So as children, one infection or another, something absolutely harmless to you and me, uh, it would kill them, they would die. Um, this boy, David Vetter, suffered from it and consequently from birth, he lived in a, a sealed, sterile environment in order to avoid infection, and he became known as the Bubble Boy. And there's been some utterly appalling Hollywood movies made around the concept, um, avoid at all costs. If you can, it might be easier if you're a parent, but if you can, imagine being his dad, imagine being his father, imagine you have a son you love, but such is his condition. You can't do the things that fathers long to do with their children because to do so would mean his destruction. He can't be exposed to you. It would kill him. So it was with our Heavenly Father and mankind. Our condition without Jesus is that exposure to God's glory would mean our destruction. Here's the way God describes it, uh, how he describes our condition in Jeremiah 2, uh, 12 and 13. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Uh, the passage describes a people who have turned away from God, a fountain of living water, and are interested in trying every kind of broken thing as a substitute. People trying desperately with every uh, possession and relationship, career, entertainment, recreation, project, enterprise, to find life and satisfaction for their souls. This passage describes what Piper calls the suicidal love affair that we have with everything but God. So how was God's love, mercy, holiness and perfect justice to be reconciled so that man might walk with God and see his glory? How was God's grace to be extended to mankind? Well, I came across a, a, a passage from a sermon by Spurgeon and I, I just can't put it better than him. Uh, and I'll share the passage with you. I don't know whether I shall do it justice. It has many exclamation marks in it. Here's how Spurgeon put it. Behold the plan which infinite wisdom has devised. The eternal Son of God becomes man. The divine nature comes in all its fullness and dwells in the mediator, Jesus Christ. He was made to feel the mighty burning of justice which caused him agony, 
but could not consume him. For in him there was no sin. Justice burned and blazed within him. Yes, brought him to the cross and to death because he stood in the sinner's place. But this golden vessel, though heated, was not melted. It could contain the divine fire and yet not be destroyed. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. And we, becoming the children of God, that which God could not bring to us directly by reason of our inability to receive it, he has now brought to us through a mediator by placing it in Jesus Christ. The word fullness in verse 16 comes from the Greek uh, pleroma and it refers to the, the abundance, the totality, the completeness of God that dwells in Jesus. Uh, Jesus, who, as we've considered over the past weeks uh, in these series, is filled with the presence, the power, the agency and the riches of God. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Nothing was held back. No reserve was held. Because all of God's fullness dwells in Jesus, every spiritual necessity is found in Jesus And out of his fullness, we have all received grace. Ephesians 2, from verse 8, Paul writes, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Grace, grace was God's idea. Grace is God-centered. It comes from him. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves acceptable to God. So another who is, has clothed us in his acceptability. The standard definitions of grace are unmerited favour or uh, getting what we don't deserve. Grace is God extending to us through his son Jesus Christ the opportunity to relate with him, all of him, in a relationship based upon his forgiveness of us. Grace is God freely extending to us, let's face it, the chronically undeserving, the most precious gift he can. In Titus, uh, which I touched on, um, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We're saved by the grace of God and it teaches us how to live. The grace that results in salvation breaks the 
the pre-existing, eternal relationship between what we deserve and what we get. And it changes our perspective forever. It, it has a profound effect upon our hearts. God's indwelling grace is, is active. It leads us and influences us and it brings change. When we say that we are a grace people, we're saying we are saved by the grace of God and we are learning from it how to live. So returning to our passage, I'll explain the red and the black in a minute. I'm going to read it again because as you'll have gathered, I'm really into this passage. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now, because verse 15 is in brackets, um, it's permissible, it's perfectly okay, it's not being naughty, um, to connect the content of verse 14 directly with verse 16 to get the flow of what, uh, as what, what's been written, really, is what John is saying. And when we do, we pick up the connection between seeing the glory of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus, and the grace received. So what John is saying is that our receiving glory is the reason why we could see the glory. I'll say that again. So what John is saying is that our receiving grace is the reason why we should see the glory. We have seen his glory because... We have all received grace. How did Simon Peter, amongst all the disciples, know that Jesus was the Messiah in, in Matthew 16? He received grace to see the glory. How did you, how did I, suddenly recognize who Jesus truly is? How did, how did we see his glory? Well, we were given grace, grace to see it. This is grace at work. A supernatural power of God opening our blind eyes so that we can see Jesus for who he really is. Now this brings us to the, the last part of the message, the last part of the passage, where John, um, John brings in Moses and the law. Um, now verse 17 begins with, with for, which can be translated for or because, so we should read 16 and 17 together. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Uh, it's worth noting here that although John is bringing in Moses, he brings him in by name and he's pointing up the root that the law arrived at, the way the law was delivered. It was through Moses. 
he isn't talking about the content of the law or the effect of the law. So these verses are not about pointing up the acute differences between the law and grace as two ways of living. And Paul does that really effectively, Romans 6, Galatians 2. It's not about that. Moses just had an amazing relationship with God. We read in, in Exodus 33:11, the Lord would speak to Moses as one would speak to a friend. Whew. If we read on in Exodus 33, we find this conversation between Moses and God, beginning uh, with Moses speaking. I hope. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, this is God replying, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses to God again, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also Do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favour in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God responds, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about, while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Moses is, is, to the Jews, you know, he's more than an important historical leader. He's, he's more than a, a pivotal character in the establishment of their nation. He, he spoke to God as one speaks to a friend. God gave into his hands the Ten Commandments twice. He's revered. But John points to the accepted historical fact that even he, even Moses, could not see the fullness 
of God's glory. Even he could only see the back of it, and only once. Yet he writes, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. To see his glory, the glory of Jesus, is to see the glory of God. For as Jesus himself said in John 14, 9, to see me is to see the Father. Moses, well, he glimpsed the back of God's glory. But Jesus embodies the fullness of God's glory. Moses glimpsed the the back of God's glory once. In Jesus, the glory of God made his dwelling among us. Moses spoke with God as a friend. Jesus is God and was with God at the beginning. Moses reports the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Moses recorded the word of God on tablets of stone. Jesus is the word become flesh. The law mirrors the light of God. Jesus is the light of God. The law of Moses was the word of God, but Jesus is God, the word. So just while the musicians come forward, I hope you noticed how smoothly I did that. I want to pose a few questions, if I may. Are you inside your own bubble separated from God? Is that where you are this morning? It could be you've never met uh, God personally. Um, it could be you, 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 you really haven't had any kind of relationship with God. It might be that you are frightened of him. It might be that you don't understand Um, It might be anything else that I can't think of. Okay, but are you separated from God? Because if you are, you've never experienced the grace we're talking about this morning. You do not know the fullness of Jesus Christ. And we so much want you to know that. If there is one great thing we can do for you this morning... It's to introduce you to him. So um, we're going to sing a a song, a worship song, just to close. And then while folk go out for coffee, um, I'm going to hang about at the front here. And uh, so will Phil, who's the big guy with the guitar. Um, Please come come and talk to us. Please come and talk to us. Because you don't have to stay separated from God anymore.